It is a privilege, as I mentioned before, we have a special guest pastor today. Pastor Tom is somebody that's in a group of pastors that uh, I've, I pray with often uh, throughout the years. It's been a real encouragement in my life personally. And just as I've gotten to know him, I've gotten the privilege of going down and teaching a couple times at their church. And just really come to appreciate his zeal for uh, what God is doing and, and like his zeal for people to know Jesus. And, and I'm really excited for him to get to share that with you guys as he shares a word, because I think you're going to agree. It's really contagious when you're around somebody like that. So I'm going to invite Pastor Tom up here uh, and he'll take over and teach the word. Is it your custom to have the kids sit in here when you worship? Sold. We've been doing it for 17 years. I commend you. And uh, don't let the crowding stop it. What we do is when, because we have a couple of hundred kids on Sunday morning and people that come in late have to sit or have to stand. They line the back walls. And, and to me, I just, I love it to see the kids worshiping with mom and dad, worshiping with uh, the body of Christ. I just commend you on that. Don't let anything get in the way of that. You'll never be sorry. And I, I almost got a little teary-eyed, man. I was just like, this is... Because a, a lot of places, uh, sadly, don't do that. And uh, But keep it up. Keep up the good work. That's, that's awesome, man. Hey, let's turn in our Bibles that we've brought to First John. And we'll be picking up in chapter 3. And also, the coffee out there on that table, please take it. It's free. Um, I roasted it Monday, prayed over it, that it would awaken people, you know? Because, you know, sometimes I know we do two services. So first service, I can always tell who hasn't had their coffee yet. And, uh, you know, a little too much blood in their caffeine stream. But anyway, it's a gift from us to you, from your sister church in Lebanon. And uh, this morning, we're going to look at something really simple. I, I guess it's not in the sense of like some secret and it's profound, but it's powerful and revolutionary. It's something in my life, and, and I've observed it in the lives of others, that they've grabbed hold of it, how it's brought such transformation. It's a truth that we need to keep keeping. And First John, as you guys know, you're well taught here. I know I've listened to Chris and so appreciate it. John the Apostle, he writes this. He's one of the 12 guys in the Lord's posse. He's a, he's a pretty ornery character. And he's with this uh, small group of guys that Jesus is training. He becomes the part of the big three. Remember Peter, James, and John? I always say this. We've heard it so many times. I think those dudes were such troublemakers that he had to keep them close to him. And of course, you know, he nicknamed them Sons of Thunder. I'm like, and you're wondering, you know, why that could be. But anyway, these guys, you know, uh, powerful men following the Lord. And we know John's the only guy that didn't die a violent death. Tradition tells us that Roman Emperor Domitian had him boiled in a cauldron of oil and it didn't kill him. So then he banished him to Patmos where, you know, you can't keep a good man down. The Lord gives him the book of Revelation to write down the things that he's seeing, he's experiencing. Boy, talk about radical but he goes down in history, John does, as the apostle of love. I mean, honestly, anybody that's been around for a while, that's what we always hear. And we read how he used to lay his head on Jesus' chest. Today, not so manly. I wonder then if it wasn't so manly, but he had such a love for Jesus. In fact, if you're taking notes, if you've got your notepads out, three times John will describe himself in the gospel of John as the one whom Jesus loved. Now, that's not boasting. That's just confidence. This is, this is just a man who is in love with his Lord. But what's amazing to me is like the first time he's mentioned is laying his head or the last time he's mentioned laying his head on uh, Jesus's chest. 
John also turns around two verses later, and you know what he does? He says, I also outran Peter to the tomb. You know, so I'm just like, whatever, man. You, 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 you guys have your own thing. It's a deal. But anyway, you guys know, and John 3.16 is like the most quoted verse in history. Uh, seriously. And every time I think about that verse, I go, wow, Lord, you gave that to one dude. Nick at night, channel 3, verse 16. Yeah, that's how I remember it, you know, because I'm a grandpa. I got grandkids, you know, precious little sinners. And uh, you know what I'm talking about. And the most quoted verse, he gives it to one guy at night who really didn't want to be seen with him because he was afraid of he might lose his position. What's amazing is that experience with Jesus. And as he, like he said, no one can do the things that you do lest they be sent from God. We know that he also helped out in the burial of Christ. Tradition tells us later that Nicodemus, he lost his position on the Sanhedrin. He lost his family. He lost his wealth. He lost everything that the world says you need to have to be complete. And he finally found what he's looking for. Jesus. And I suggest to you it's love. We're told when John was so old... They would have to carry him up and they would set him down and he would say three words, beloved or four words, whatever. I'm old. You can tell the memory goes, love one another. Now, how radical that is. And now, can you imagine? Now, put yourself in the place of a person in the day of John. I know there's certain uh, pastors and teachers. Man, I just jones to get around. It's just like, oh, man, if I could just, I've got the mental notepad going. It's like anything they're saying, I want in. You know what I mean? I want to buy it because there's experience. that They walked with God. They know God. And so now you're one of these people and you've heard of John, man. You've heard of this guy. And now they bring him out and you've walked for miles because you didn't have a minivan with your kids. And you're sleeping out there in the woods in the dark and all this craziness. And they roll him on up there and you hear three words, four words. You're like, really? I would go, one word to describe this, refund. You know, I went this far. This is all you're going to say? Oh, come on. There's got to be more to it. There has to be more to it. But you know something? There's so much to that. This apostle of love, I think, to understand John as how we know him from history, how we see him in the scriptures, is to understand who John was, who he used to be before the love of God got a hold of him. And in his early years of walking with the Lord, this transforming process of walking with Jesus. Because, you know, he wasn't always known as the apostle of love, was he? Well, Jesus had a nickname for him, Sons of Thunder. Now, think about this character. In Mark chapter 3, you know, Jesus gives him this nickname. But then also in Luke chapter 9, verse 52, let me read this to you about this character, this guy. And as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him, for Jesus. They're going out as front runners. They're letting people know Jesus is coming. But they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? Wow, that's intense. That's a hardcore individual, man. Can we kill him? Can we roast him? And then we read in Mark chapter 9 how... Another issue this guy has, John answered and said, saying, teacher, we saw someone who does not follow us casting out demons in your name, and we forbade him because he does not follow us. But Jesus said, do not forbid him, for no one who works a miracle in my name can soon afterward speak evil of me. This guy's like a control freak. I mean, he wants to be in control of this whole Jesus thing. After all, he's in the big three. He's hanging out with the Lord. He knows when he goes, we're going to be in, we're going to be the heads of this. And he wants to run it. He wants to own it. He's got this thing that I think we all in some form or fashion deal with. But the Lord changed him from being a son of thunder to the apostle of love. 
And it's the love of God. This guy that wanted control. This guy that wanted to kill people. Was it because of his circumstances, you know? Not even. Because John's circumstances weren't good. I mean, literally, traveling with Jesus was no easy deal anyway. Then, after he leaves, all that they went through, the persecution, the scars his body had. And was it because his family was being blessed? Because sometimes that's how we relate to God, is if he loves us or not, things are going well. His brother James got killed. I mean, now that's a heavy one. And he got killed because of Jesus, because he loves Jesus. And so John, this radical dude, this transformation that takes place, he doesn't get mad. He doesn't get bitter. And maybe you're going through some of those things. This is for you. It's for me. It's for us. Things don't always go well. Have you noticed? Okay, two of us have. The rest of you are doing well. Pray for us, please. We're hurting. He didn't get mad. He didn't get bitter. Listen, he got bolder. He knew his brother was in heaven. And so I suggest you what changed John is the love of God and the spirit of God, this transformation in his life, God's love for him, that Jesus lived out for him. You know, we've all heard it, but after being in the ministry for a while, still blown away that the disciples didn't say, Lord, teach us to teach or teach us to do miracles or power signs and all these. He said, Lord, teach us to pray. There's something about you and your relationship with Father. And they saw this this relationship in Jesus. They saw this love in Jesus. They could see it, and they wanted it. And I just want to share a few words that I really believe helped transform John. And I think that you'll find that they really do apply for us as well. In First John chapter 3, if you're there, we take up in verse 1. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are the children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Father, I just come to you. And I would ask, Father, by your spirit that you would just... Touch our hearts through your word and your spirit and reveal to us, Father, a greater understanding of your love, your wonderful love, Lord. Pray for those who've been fighting it. Maybe there's here uh, folks, Lord, that have been resisting it, fighting it today, Lord, they would just stop fighting and just let you love them right where they're at. I just pray, Lord, that your work and your will would be done in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. In verse 1, he says something so incredibly radical, and it's only like one word. It's behold what manner of love. What manner? Robertson's word pictures, if you're a study geek, it describes it as this. From what country? Or how foreign? And we might think, well, what does he mean? Well, in that day, when you hauled freight, when you had things shipped, you would do it on boat or by land, and they would come to the station, and then the manager, the agent, would stand there as they were unloading it and say, from what country is this? Or from what manner? In other words, it's not from around here. It's something different. It's something strange. And so it was a common customary term in that day. But to us, it's still just as radical. And that is, sometimes God's love seems so foreign to us. It really does. I like that we pull away the veneer and just really look at it and, and just put all the props down and just check out the love of God. It really does seem so foreign, at least at first, because we live in a sinful world, don't we? And there's so many sinful people doing crazy things. 
and death throw into the max that you're sinful and I'm sinful. That in us is this desire. Now, some of us, it's way more than others, but there's still this desire to sin. See, some, they may just think it. Others, like, act on it. I used to say it's like this. Some look at the cookie jar with their cookies in it, and they go, man, that's not bad. But, you know, mom said don't get into it. And then there are those of us who go, how good are those cookies, and is it worth the beating? You know, type of a thing. There's some who act on it and some who don't. But regardless, regardless, God's love can at many times be so foreign to us. Because think about it. When you think about love, the love that we experience in this life, so often there's strings attached to it, aren't there? Have you observed that? Have you seen it in your own heart? Actions of love. Someone does something for you, then they let you know that you owe them. Or they do something for you and you feel like, now I owe them. You ever have that happen? Because, you know, they're just a good person and and you get blessed by it. And it's like, oh, man, i got to make sure I remember them at Christmas or something like that. Like there's strings attached to it. Someone says, I love you, brother. I always like this one. I love you, sister. They'll come up to you, especially if you've never met them before. Oh, man, I love you so much. I'm just kind of like, forgive me, but I'm still doing, you know, I'm growing. I'm like you. I'll just go, what do they want? You know, I got little grandkids. I got 17 of them, precious little sinners, man. And I got this, I got this one, Benjamin. And uh, he, he's, he's my man. He, this guy, he's so see-through. He hasn't grown up and got a little polished to be able to hide his motive so well. And I'll never forget this one time. He's with these other kids, and this one guy had a really cool Lego set type of a deal. And those things are crazy money. And he's looking at it, and he goes, is that yours? And he goes, yeah. And he goes, okay, we can be friends. I'm just like, wow, man. I'm watching this whole thing. I go, you're so blatant, you know. But don't worry, son. You'll get a little older. You'll be able to cover it up a little better. You know, when the neighbors are moving in, you're checking out what they're bringing into the, oh, big screen TV. Oh, goodness. Oh, Traeger barbecue. Oh, I like this guy. We're going to be buddies, I can tell. It's kind of in us sometimes, you know. Or have you ever had someone say, I love you. And then they turn around and verbally or physically beat you. Makes you leery. The love that we experience sometimes isn't really love. Or being a pastor, you know, you're dealing with broken lives a lot, and which is a joy because we get to tell them about the love of God. But when someone comes into your office and their spouse, who they have been married to for a while, they find out they've been cheating on them. And they're so devastated because this person only ever told them that they loved them. And now they're just like, oh, man, you know, they're, they're in pieces and such pain. And then I think of this. I think of parents or a parent who leaves their kid. And now that kid who's example of, you know, it takes a mom and a dad to show us God. And even that is, is pales in comparison to really knowing God. We need the mother side of God. And we need the father side of God. When he says, stand and show yourself a man. And then there's those times where come and be broken on me. Come, you know, just we need that. And when that child, one of their parents or both of their parents split and, and then they have the skewed view of love and, and, and they and often I've watched it. They transfer it onto God. You know, we have a, a ton of young people. And, and I tell you, it just breaks my heart. You know, like last Sunday, last week we had our staff meeting and and the head of our children's uh, department was just sharing with us the, how many broken people are coming and these broken kids and they don't understand why mom left or dad left. And I just, it makes me want to weep because now this little guy or this little gal has got to try and overcome all these things. And, and she's so broken over it. And, and I thank God we have, you know, just the people that are working there, they love them, they're praying for them. But I mean, can you relate? Have you experienced maybe some of these things? 
And so God's love, just like he said, how foreign is this love of God? From what country is this? It's not like anything I've ever experienced in this life. And again, I want to remind you what John was like before he went down in the annals of history as the apostle of love. Shall we call down fire? (laughs) Shall we fry him, Lord, like Elijah, power prophet? Come on. And I love the Lord's heart. Do you know what manner of spirit you're of? Hey, listen, I, I came here to seek and save. I came here to restore lives. I came here to, to find the lost. I, I, I'm here to do good. I'm here to destroy the works of the devil. I'm on mission. And, and, I, and I'm so thankful that the Lord doesn't reject John. He doesn't unfriend him on Facebook because he didn't like my post, you know, type of a thing. This social media is crazy, isn't it? It is to me, man. It's just like I have to be careful with it, you know. It's a, it's a wild thing. Jesus doesn't say to John, you're out. Next. No, he works with him. He speaks the truth. Listen, he tells him what he may not want to hear, but he tells it to him in love. Well, I've found that walking with God that he does that with us if we'll listen. That he'll say things to us we really don't want to hear, but we need to hear. But it's so wonderful because he loves us. And so when he does share these things with us, it's listen, it's to transform us, it's to help us, it's to make us complete, to make us whole. But it's hard to hang out with somebody that is speaking hard words to you that you know doesn't love you. But when you experience the love of God, there's no strings attached. It's unconditional. We didn't have anything in us that said, oh, man, you're the one. You're worth loving. No. When you find out he loves you because he's love. And how radical love is. It's the most powerful force in the universe for God is love. And perfect love casts out what? All fear. See, sometimes we don't progress in our walk with God because we're afraid of God. Now, we may not blatantly say that, but he brings us to these places of impact, these places of decision to where it's like, wow, I need to do this. God is saying, you know, go forgive this person. Well, Lord, they hosed me so bad, you know, and it's like, you ever have times like that? And he's just like, come on, man. And then you go, I will never forget it. My wife and I, we've been married for a long time and, and and the last five years have been wonderful Uh, no, it's all been good. I'm trying to lighten it up a little bit because it's heavy, but I was working for this character and we decided we wanted to have another little girl or another. I wanted a girl. We had a boy. And so Sherry uh, got pregnant. I was working for this company and you know, we had insurance, they said. And so we waited till we qualified and I'll never forget it, man. I, I got recruited from another company to go to work for them. And the owner said to me, hey, listen, I told him, I go, man, I'm having a kid. I can't leave right now. Can we wait till after? Because I'll tell you what, I'll pay your premiums. I'll put you on ours. You'll have double coverage on everything except for the baby and, and we'll cover it. I was like, I'm out. Let's go. And so I go to work for this guy only to find out my employer never paid the premiums, huh, babe? Oh, you know, and to my shame, I was so bitter. And then I've been a Christian for probably seven years, six years Ah, I was just gnawing on this guy. You know, driving down the road. You ever been in your car fighting with somebody who's not in the car with you? You know, oh, yeah, really? You know, oh, well, yeah, well, wow. You know, just just like, there's six of us in here, man. You know, ah, you know, it's crazy. And I will never forget it. I'm at work, and I'm a manager there. And here comes, and this is the best part of the story, a traveling toilet paper salesman from Louisiana. And he's coming in to sell us product, and he finds out I'm a Christian, and he hears me just fomenting on my bitterness towards this guy. And he has the audacity 
to walk up to me and tell me, you're a Christian and you have no right to be bitter. You need to go to that guy and ask him to forgive you. I'm like, this isn't God. You know, this can't be God. And it haunted me. I mean, for, I, I didn't, it wasn't like, instant, oh, yeah, I'm going to turn. Okay, let's go. No way, man. I'm like, I'm at night and I can hear this guy's voice. The toilet paper king is, he's after me, man. You know what I mean? It's just, ah. And it went on for a while. And, and then finally, I just like, okay, I can't handle this. I'll go. So I go up to this guy that I used to work for and I walked into his office. And my wife can attest to this. And I told him, I won't mention his name. And I said, please forgive me. I'm a Christian, and I have no right to be bitter towards you. God's forgiven me of such great sin. He broke down and wept. I got to lead him to the Lord in his office. That doesn't always happen. But, but my point is, is that God will bring you to places to where if you don't know the love of God, and, and you don't trust him, the fear of the unknown is going to hinder you. And that's why it's so important to know the love of God and experience the love of God. And and I'm so thankful that the Lord didn't pitch John. I'm so thankful for that. I I get to see God's love that he doesn't bail on people. It's like, oh, this is foreign to me, Lord. This this is so strange. It's so not from this world. And we all know John 3.16, the famous verse. But what about the verses that follow? Let me read them to you. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. But the world through him might be saved. God doesn't hate sinners. God loves us. He's not mad at them. He didn't send his son and, all right, fry him. You know, it's like, well, judgment's coming. Judgment's coming. But Jesus, his coming wasn't to condemn, but was to seek and save. And verse 18, and he who believes in him is not condemned. Good word this morning. But he who does not believe is condemned. Man, that's heavy. Already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. That the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. See, God didn't send his son to condemn. And, 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 and the, that, that challenge that we face sometimes when we're sharing the gospel, some people don't receive it. God so loved the world, but we find out when you step out of the arena of your house and get into the arena of other broken lives, that sometimes the world doesn't oh so love God. But it didn't stop God. How could it stop us? You know what I mean? I mean, it didn't stop him. And and how many of us here, like my father-in-law, didn't get saved until he was, what, 70 years old? My wife prayed for him for 30 years. God didn't stop. God's faithful. Paul, he he so knows all about this. In 1 Timothy 1.15, he says, This is a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. I am the worst. Now, it is true that Jesus saves us from hell like that alone isn't enough of a heavy perk. You know what I mean? It's like like that alone isn't enough to serve him forever. But it doesn't stop there. God is transforming us right now. To me, that is what's awesome. Yeah, we're saved. We're not going to hell. But now we're in this process of transformation to become more like his son. To be complete. It's like God's not satisfied. All right, you're not going to hell. No, God's so vested in you. He's so interested in you. He still wants to be part of your life. He still wants to transform. You know those areas of your heart that are hurting, that part of your life that you feel incomplete or maybe just not enough? He wants to make you complete. That's why I love the word of God. It, we have it, it so that the man of God might be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's why we love his, his word. We love his spirit. And then I think of Colossians 1.17. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Yeah, future glory with God, but a glorious life now. 
You couldn't have told me a convicted felon dope dealer. You know, statistically, my wife and I should have been divorced. We've been married for 39 years. And God has been so gracious and so kind and, and still restoring us. And sure, he is getting better. Just I'm telling you, she's, she's coming around. That's all right. I say this now because I have witnesses. You'll see me tonight at the men's thing with a black eye. It's like, hey, slight disagreement. But like I said, she's getting better. You know, it used to be two black eyes. But anyway, Jesus said he would never leave us or forsake us. John blew it. And I'm sure as they all did, and the Lord didn't forsake him. But did you notice John tells us that this love is bestowed upon us? Oh, that's humbling. But it's so exciting that you can't earn it. You definitely don't deserve it. God loves you because God is love. It's because of who he is. It's because of his heart, his nature. We can't do more good things. Because, man, I don't know about you, but I did like 10 years trying to earn the love of God. Seriously, and I was so tired. It was like a hamster wheel in a cage. And, you know, you're running on it. I have one in my office. They keep it up over my desk on the side. And I call it the manster wheel. Because it's like, all right, if I just do more. Because I used to have this. What started is we had this little hamster named Houdini. Because the dude would escape. Well, he escaped to his death because the cat got him. But that's another story. <laughs> but he would just get on that thing. I'm not kidding. I'm just like, Wah! I mean, just... I would go, no way. And he would fly around it. And finally, he couldn't keep up with it. And it would do loops on him. Then he would fall down and hit the ground. I'm like, yeah, he had a heart attack. He's a goner. You know, he doesn't even move. And I'm like, wow. Then he'd get back up, get back on it again. You know, and it was just like, dude, right, what, where are you trying to get to? The food's over here, man. You're on the wheel. And then I, I would look at that and I go, God, isn't that like I have been? So trying to run to get you to love me, to do things that you would love me. And the whole time, the food's right over here. And I don't got to get on the wheel. I don't got to do stuff. Now I get to feed on your love. And from that, I totally want to do stuff. Because when you tap into the love of God, you've tapped into the most energizing, radical, revolutionary power in the universe. That's what people are looking for, truly. And when we don't, and we try and earn it, all we do is rob ourselves of the lavish, generous love of God. And we can reject it. And it's, it's crazy. But I'm so glad that God keeps working with us. But then, it's not like that's enough. In verse 2 and 3, John tells us what God's love has done. He's made us children of God. I think about that and I go, wow, Paul, you tell me that we've been adopted in Ephesians. And when you understand Roman adoption, here's the deal. I didn't have a choice. My kids were born to me. I didn't know what I was going to get because there were times I wish I could have stuffed them back. It's just like... Wow, you're so like me, you know. Oh, you know, I don't need another Tom running around the house. I'm dealing with me. You didn't know who you were going to get. The Lord knew everything about us. Everything. What you did on the car the way here. Everything. Thoughts that I'm thinking. Everything. He says, I want you. And then when you understand Roman adoption in the day, I don't know if you guys know this or not. Radical. So different than ours. When you were adopted into the family under Roman rule, any debts that you had were erased. And did you know the name that existed before you were adopted ceased to exist in records? You were brand new. You took on the name of the family that you came into, and that's exactly what God's done with us. All of our debts, forgiven. Brought us into his family. Made us sons and daughters of God. I, I just, to me, I just go, that is so amazing and wonderful. And right now, gang, listen, 
God's spiritual DNA is in you to transform you. Everything you need is what I'm trying to say. It's in you. His spirit. He's given us his word. Everything we need to be transformed. And he desires to transform us. And there's going to come a day, hey, listen, gang, that whether he comes for us individually or he comes for us collectively, we are going to be transformed. And we're going to see him as he is. And I, I, I can't wait for that day, honestly, to where I'm like, Lord, I can now finally worship you without the presence of sin. And I know I'm, I'm free from the penalty of sin and the power of sin, but there's coming a day, Lord, there, there'll be no distractions. I'm nothing. I won't be thinking about, you know, yeah, it isn't worship. Stuff starts going crazy in your head. There'll be none of that. And I'll get to know him and experience him as he truly is. And then in verse 3, John tells us what this hope does. So now it's what manner of love... Yeah, now he's made us sons and daughters. Well, that's not enough. He's like, I got so much more. Now he tells us that, and everyone who has this hope, that's what we're talking about, in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Now, some people read this, and I've heard it way taken out of context. Oh, man, I got to really get it together now. I'm like, hey, listen, you can't clean yourself up in front of God, and you can't save yourself. Jesus does that. But now here's what I can do. As the Spirit of God is convicting me of sin, convicting you of sin, I can confess it. I love that. Homo legeo. You're right. I'm wrong. It's that simple. You're right. I'm wrong. And now, Lord, I'm going to turn from that and I'm going to repent. I'm going to turn towards you. Is that not a lifelong thing? Man, I mean, I'm like 59 years old and I can't believe some of the stuff that I still have to repent of that you would think you would repent it of the first year or two. I feel like an onion. How about you sometimes? Just layers, man. God's not done. He's not going to be done until we're like his son completely. And I'm super thankful for that. But this hope, this purifying hope, you know what it means when you understand the love of God and you have this hope in you that I want to willingly cooperate now with the work of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I want to. Yeah, it hurts. Yeah, it's humbling. Especially when I got to tell my wife I'm sorry. You know, man, or my kids... But the fruit of it, I, I don't like the process. Trust me, I do not jump up and down about that. But the fruit, oh, the result of it, glorious. We want to seek God's will for his purposes in our life in every area. Because we have this hope. Because of his unconditional love. Because of his patience and grace with us. We have this hope that he's coming for us. And that we're going to be like him. I like it. John says it's a purifying hope. I don't want to get involved now in things that are going to draw me away from the love of God. Why? I don't want to do it. It reminds me of the story my pastor taught one time. It's so just epic. And it's, a, it's like, remember Paul Harvey? How many people are old enough to know Paul Harvey? Okay, younger people, don't worry about it. It'll come. But he tells this story about a crime and the motorhome had been broken into and there was a siphoning hose and right down below it was a bunch of puke. Well, the guy had gone and stuck his hose in the septic tank, taken a couple hits off of that and threw up all over. And I think to myself, boy, isn't that what it's like when I try and go to the world to get what only God can give me? You know what I mean? I just go to the puke of the world. <laughs> they won't remember any of this, Chris, but they will not forget the septic tank. <laughs> it's like, oh, man, I'm not doing that, you know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
You know, you, when you when you've experienced God's love and you're learning of it, you get to that place, you go, God, but you get to that place, you go, God, I don't want to, I don't want to go there. I know this because I know this is going to make me feel guilty. This young girl, she's with her friends, and it's graduation, and she's supposed to go home at a certain time, and they're going out. It, it, it grieves your spirit. I, I want to hang out with you. And, and it's not like from a legalistic thing. It's from love. You just go, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go back to the things that were sinful. And it's not because we see ourselves, hopefully, as better than somebody else, but we just see how good God is to us and his father heart for us. And we don't want to go backward because we have this hope to go forward. I have found in my life, when you have moments of impact like our, our my my daughter had cancer like three times. We thought we were going to lose her. And there were times when I gave up hope. You know, you're just like, man, Lord, this is, you didn't tell me this was going to happen. And it's in those times, if we're not careful, that we can go backward. We go backward when we give up hope. When we quit looking at our blessed hope, when we quit hanging out with Jesus. And I have found, honestly, like Paul said, it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to know him, listen, but to suffer for his namesake. And, and that we might have a fellowship. That he says that I might know him and the fellowship is sufferings. There's something, man, when you are so rocked that the veneer is gone. You know, you're not worried about what people think. You're just at this place and you're at this core level. And it's at that place that there's such sweet intimacy with Jesus. You just, you just go, man, Lord, I don't want any of this other stuff now to become props in my life again. I want to hang out here. There's this fellowship with you. And it's wonderful that God is... The God of all hope. And that he loves us with a perfect love. A love that's not like the love of this world. And it's complete and unconditional. And that he's transforming us. He's so vested in us. Gang, I sure hope you know this morning how loved you are by God. He loves you completely. I can say that as an older guy now. I can look back and I go, God, you're so faithful. You never quit on us. Your love, you're right, John. It's not of this world. It's definitely from heaven. It's definitely from Father God. In closing, Paul tells us in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 16 and 17, and to me is so precious. It says this, May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. I love that. And maybe you're here this morning and you're discouraged. We all get there. Maybe you've lost hope. Maybe you need to be strengthened. You can do that right now. That's what I love about being connected by the Holy Spirit. I don't got to go to some place or be around some person. God lives in me. His Spirit is in us. And if you're in that place this morning, man, I want to pray with you. I know we're going to have time afterward uh, but I, I, right now, uh, with you know, no lights dimmed or anything, man, if you're in that place and, and you would like prayer, just raise your hand. I want to pray with you right now this morning. I do. I just want to lift you. Amen. I just want to lift you up. Keep your hand up high, man. And I just want to pray with you this morning. Totally. Father, we just come to you and just thank you. Just thank you so much for your love. And for my brothers and sisters, Lord, that are weary and, uh, Lord, m- lacking hope, discouraged, I lift them to you, Father. We lift them to you and just pray, God, by your spirit, you would strengthen them right now that they could see you as you are. 
Lord, that your love would be so real to them right now. That you would encourage them, Lord. I thank you for that, God. I just ask for strength, encouragement, hope, blessing. And Lord, I just pray that you would open our eyes in a greater measure to your great love for us, that we could respond to that. Lord, to love one another because of the love you have for us. We bless your name. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go ahead and have the worship team come up here and turn off the lights so we can just respond to that word. Uh, as I was thinking, as he was, Tom just taught so well, at the, the love that we find in in Jesus that we can't find anywhere else. You know, the God's word, which is basically a, a letter, instructions, if you will, that's written to all of us. So we know who he is. We know how to come to him. We know that his intent from the beginning of our birth was that we were born to know our creator. And that can only happen through Jesus Christ. But he so eloquently, God so eloquently puts in there strategically things that every single one of us is ingrained to looking for in some way or another. You know, we're going to talk in the next couple of um, uh, teaching sessions, just kind of start our Christmas series and, and talk about the things that the angels pointed out when they talked about Jesus's birth, like peace, joy, salvation, things that every single one of us look for in some way or another. Every person in this world, you're looking for it in other people or you're looking for it in things. But since nothing in this world is meant to last, it always disappoints you. Things that can only be found in Christ. Now, love is one of those things. Because in some way or another, and I'm sure you guys would agree, every single one of us is looking to be loved our whole entire life. Would you agree with that? In some way or another, you're looking to be loved. That's why you need parents. You're looking to be loved by them. That's why you look for a spouse. You're, you're looking to be loved. But no matter how hard we try, every single one of us cannot love as perfectly as God. We're going to fall short. And when that happens, we basically get disappointed. We, we, we don't find what it is we're looking for. And I love how, you know, John just, behold, look, look at what kind of love is this? This unconditional love. Again, you don't deserve it. Our, our sin is treason, is rebellion against God. And he knew that, but he loved you and me anyways. So if he loved you when you were at your worst, in Christ, there's no way he's not going to love you any less. You can be absolutely confident of his love in you because you were as worse as you could ever be, totally against God, not looking for him. And that's when he loved you. That's when he died for you. And that should draw every single one of us to him because we're all looking for something that can only be found in him. And if you're visiting today and you haven't, in a sense, made that effort to reach for Jesus, God's done everything that needs to be done for you to know him and experience that love. All you have to do is basically receive that gift he's offering to you. And you do that by acknowledging, yeah, I'm not perfect. I, 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 I have done things wrong. I am a sinner. And I see that I need Jesus to forgive me of that sin. I need what he did on that cross. I see that was for me. 
That's called repentance. It's acknowledging that you're wrong, God is right, and that you need him to save you. And through doing that, he will come into your life. And he will change you from the inside out in a way that you could never change yourself. And you will experience that love among so many other things that you're looking for and you're never going to find in anything else's world. And you can do that. If you came here today and you have not done that, you can do it right here and leave here with a relationship with your creator, with your father in heaven. And we're going to have our prayer team around the room. If you don't even know where to start in praying and talking to God, we would love for you to come up and we will lead you in a prayer. As you reach out to him, And he pulls you close and embraces you for the first time. That can happen in this place today. And I would encourage you, you don't know, like that car accident on the way out. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And you only get that choice in this life to do that. God's made it as easy as possible. So don't leave here saying, well, I'll do that eventually. You, You don't know if you'll have eventually. Today is the day of salvation for you. And why would you want to spend another moment not experiencing the perfect love that God is offering you that you can never find anywhere else. You do that in this place. And for those of us that know God, I also love this passage that he he went through, that Tom went through, because I love whenever God kind of uses that example of children because he's given me children and he's taught me so much about him through children because I can relate to it to some degree. And so he's talking about how like, look at this love. That God has shown to you. He's made you his children. And and I think of the love I have for my children. In that. Man. I love my children so much. And part of that love is that I love them too much to leave them the way they are. (laughs) They may not feel that all the way. All the time. When I'm telling them they can't do certain things. Or I'm disciplining when they do things they shouldn't be doing. But all of the, the heart behind that. That all comes from a place of love. Because I only want the best things for them and any actions that i'm taking is always with those best interests in mind and so god is perfect a perfect parent in a way that i can never be and so anything he is trying to change in us and he goes on in this passage upon went through talk about that purifying anything he's purifying in you anything he's saying this isn't good you need to change you need to i'm going to help you get rid of this thing it's always because he has something so much better for you in mind. And what helps us trust him in going along with that process, that purifying process is understanding how much he loves you. Understanding how much that's been demonstrated in him making you his child. Understanding that he truly is not just sitting up there on a the throne ruling and reigning. I mean, he's doing that, but he's your father. You have a relationship with him where you can approach him in all confidence, knowing that he loves you. He wants to hear everything going on in your life. He wants to help you with everything. You don't have to ever question that. You're going to be in eternity within his presence. His spirit is inside you right now. And so if there's things that the Holy Spirit is putting on your heart right now, showing you like, man, this isn't good. You've been sensing this conviction. I, I, I know this isn't right. This isn't in line with God's word. And I shouldn't be doing this. Now's an opportunity to do what Tom pointed out. Just repent. 
That's all it is. It's just acknowledging. You're right. God, I get it. I hear you. I know that this isn't good for me. I don't want to do this. I need your help to change. I need your help to let this thing go. I need your help to walk in that better life that you have for me. And you can do that right where you're at. You can come up and get prayer. We will pray with you. Trust that to your brother and sister. Don't be ashamed. There's no condemnation in this place. Every single one of us has things. God is, like he said, like an onion peeling away. And there's healing when we confess things to one another. The Bible says in James 5. So let's just spend this last song, this last moments, responding to what God wants to do into each of us. And don't miss out on this opportunity. We're always being purified. We're always being conformed to the image of his son until we're with him and we're like him. It's a process. Go along with it and experience the blessing that he has intended for you as he makes you more like Jesus. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, thank you so much. Thank you so much that you've saved us, Lord, that you have demonstrated a love that we can't find anywhere else. I know that's what saved me. That's what attracted me to you. I, I, I didn't have both my parents. And I felt unloved because of that. And, I, and to have, when somebody introduced me to you, and at that point in my life, I was searching to be accepted. I was searching to be loved, wondering what was the matter with me. And to hear of your love, a love that's accepted me unconditionally as I was, you didn't expect me to change. You just said, come. Lord, it just, it rocked my world. I'd never heard anything like that. And I'm so thankful that you welcomed me into your presence the way I was because I truly found what I was looking for in you that I couldn't have found even if I had both my parents. And I pray if there's anyone in here looking for that love and they're trying to find it in all the wrong places today they find it in the one place they can and that is in you Jesus and for those of us that know you we're so thankful that you're such a perfect loving parent to us that you in your in your omniscience in your omnipotence just all you know all things you're all powerful you you know exactly how to teach us your ways, how to, how to teach us what's good, how to teach us what's bad, how to discipline us when we need to be disciplined, how to correct us, how to do all these things in your perfect loving ways. Always with our betterment in mind, Lord. And so, Lord, we don't want to slow that process down. We don't want to fight against you. I think of how frustrating it is for me when my my boys fight against me when I only want good things for them. But Lord, you don't get frustrated with us. You're perfectly patient. And you you don't make mistakes like I do. So we it makes no sense for us to not go along with what you're wanting to do. So Lord, if there's specific things you're working in us today, working out of us, asking us to to change, to let go of, to look to you to help, Lord, I, I pray we listen and obey. You said, blessed are those who hear and obey the word of God. So, Lord, we're listening. Help us obey. In Jesus' name, amen.